The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We are working hard here every single week to give you the information and the inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Uh, today is one of our X-Factor Investor interviews. We started doing these back in December and the feedback at asvina at gmail.com has been pretty much overwhelmingly positive because these interviews are not about the, and they're not about the, uh, the strategies or not about the tactics. They're about the, the 80% that's going to make you successful. 20% is the education and, you know, what you know and who you know and all that sort of stuff. 80% really is your attitudes, your habits, how you approach this from sort of the inside. And the folks that I interview on these X Factor uh, interviews every month are people who have reached that pinnacle that everyone getting into their area of the business wants to reach. So so these are the people that you want to be when you grow up. And the questions that I ask them are about what it is that made them the way they are, uh, made them successful, um, not so much about well, here's how I find deals, but more about here's what I do in the morning to get myself ready for my day. Uh, today, my guest is Mike Rusica, who uh, is uh, he's in a he's in a little bit of a uh, sort of side business from what the what many real life real estate listeners do, and that is uh, he is in the defaulted note business. Now we've talked about that a lot here on Real Life Real Estate. If you go into the archives at realliferealestate.com, you can literally find a dozen interviews with different folks who talk about what defaulted notes are and what the advantages are and how you go about finding them. But Mike and I are going to talk today about how he got where he is in the note business. He's actually been in manufacturing since he was in high school. And while working full time, he bought his first real estate investment back in 99, but then discovered the note business. And before the mortgage meltdown, which is when everyone else discovered the <laughs> note business, uh, he started getting into that and he's been investing in non-performing mortgages full time ever since. He has a network of note buyers called noteconference.com and he provides information to other folks who are interested in doing the same thing. So 
Uh, he's joining us by phone today. Thank you for being with us today, Mike. Hi, Dina. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I am glad to have you on. Uh, you are actually the first person that we have talked to during the X Factor Investor uh, shows that was in the particular business that you are in, which is, I mean, it's a big business. Uh, I think I think a lot of real estate investors don't realize how many note investors there are out in the world because you know we kind of live in this little world where it's all about the properties but for you it's actually all about the paper on the properties can you can you talk a little bit about the arc that your business has taken since you started way back in 1999 and how you got to this you know sort of little strategy of buying non-performing mortgages sure sure so yeah, back in 99, uh, I bought my first two-family house. I thought I had to buy locally to my physical property. So I started buying uh, rentals uh, one at a time. And the first one I bought was a two-family. And it, that came with two sets of problems, you know, the tenants. And so I got really uh, familiar and comfortable dealing with the tenants' issues of whatever they were, whether their car is broken, they can't make the mortgage payment this month, the rent payment, uh, you know, my dog ate my homework, that kind of stuff. And so that um, I was very comfortable working with around my tenants. And But I, you know, I always thought, you know, I was a real real estate head. I thought that the only way that I would make money in real estate is I had to improve a property and increase the value. Um, like you said, I was in manufacturing my whole life. So the, the notion of taking raw material and turning it into a final product and increasing the value of that raw material was crossed over into my rental business. And then I came across this note, uh, investing business where I didn't really have to physically be at the property. Uh, like you said, it's, I was more interested in the paper and even more so, I was more interested in the borrower of a home, you know, as a they're, they're a homeowner. And now I have to go in and correct whatever problem it is that, that I need to solve to get this borrower to start making payments to me because I became the bank the day that I bought that mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so that was the transition from, I don't want to get into the transition from, manufacturing into rental properties but real quickly with that was i realized that getting a finite paycheck every week from from my manufacturer was just so limiting and with real estate it just opened things up and then got getting into this fine kind of a niche of of investing in non-performing mortgages at a discount purchasing you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt for thirty thousand bucks and then that borrower owes the hundred thousand dollars. So um, that was a transition for me from real estate into mortgages. Um, so now I don't collect as much rent as I do collect mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. Was there was there something in the real estate business that helped you, like some skills you developed or some you know, understandings about people that helped you be successful as you, as you made this big shift. I mean, it's a big shift 
to go from owning the property to owning the note? Is there were were there things that that helped you about starting in real estate, and were there any things that handicapped you? Are there any things you had to relearn? Sure. Well, you know, it, it's funny because the way I look at any type of business that I'm starting up, a company that I'm starting up, or anything, it's usually a combination of skills. And so I took my manufacturing background. I was highly computer oriented, taking those computer skills and now melding that into my note investment business was a combination of computer skills and now due diligence to find and work out the assets and to do my due diligence prior to purchasing these assets um, by, by using my computer skills. So, so it was a melding. And you'll find that most people that are successful in one area will, will take from a, a different area and meld those two or three different skills together. Um, now, you know, I've gotten such a large network of people and I'm, I'm holding events. I actually meld together my cooking skills and my food skills <laughs> with my note investing friends and put all of these different moving parts together to actually perfect and, and, and really enjoy some of the events. So if I had to boil it down, it would be um, just using, first, when you're going out and looking for a real estate property to invest in, there's a lot of due diligence. And I was told to look at a 1,000 houses, go into 100 of them, put offers in on 10 of them, and maybe you'll get one or two of them. And it's the repetition of the due diligence of just that. Look at a thousand notes, really look hard at a thousand notes, get familiar with the differences between what a good note might be and a bad note might be. And that's only by repetition that you're going to actually per, uh, increase those skills. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and put offers in on 10 and maybe you'll get two or three. Well, the idea is to now look at a thousand notes, put offers in on a hundred, and get all hundred of those things. So I find it it's easier to buy kind of in bulk now, uh, nationwide, instead of trying to invest in my backyard, because I don't really care as much about the house as I do about the borrower, and I can find all that information out prior to purchasing through my due diligence. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That makes very good. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Mike Rusica about the habits and philosophies and thoughts that have made him so successful in his little his little area of the business. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's X Factor Investor Week here on. Real Life Real Estate, where we talk not about strategy, but about the things that make successful investors successful. And uh, it's interesting to me that the the folks that I've interviewed so far, uh, they have things in common, and then they have things, they have areas where they think very differently from one another, and they do very different uh, things from one another. And uh, today we are talking to Mike Rusica, who is a defaulted note buyer. If you want to know about defaulted notes, you can go back to the archives in Real Life Real Estate Investing, and there's probably a dozen interviews in there about how those work. But the point today is not how they work, but rather what has put Mike up at the top of that business. He's, he's 
almost certainly in the, I don't know, 25 best known defaulted note buyers in the country. He does a lot of these deals. And uh, it's not, it's not, um, it's not the same as investing in real estate. Uh, it's not harder necessarily than investing in real estate, but it certainly does require a different skill set. Now, Mike, going back to going back to the guy who was in manufacturing mm-hmm. and decided, I'm going to change my life. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do things differently than probably my parents did and my grandparents did and all the people around me did. What do you think like the most important habit that you, that, that that guy developed that has led to your current real estate success? That's an awesome question. And the reason I, I like it so much, it, it really rings true with whatever area you plan on, on attacking and becoming proficient at is the faking it until you make it or becoming a note investor who just doesn't happen to have any notes at the moment because I'm just getting started. But it's the mindset of being that note investor that that puts you out there and starts attracting other note investors to you, other note investors, other note deals. You, you have to go out there and start hanging around with note investors. You know, I, I was, I, I was talking about this, um, like landlords like hanging around with other landlords. Landlords don't like hanging around with tenants. <laughs> you know, the only time you want to see a tenant is, is, is never really. Uh, but, Landlords like to hang around with landlords. Note investors like to hang out with other note investors. They like to know what, what, what's been working for him or what's been working for her that maybe I can apply to my business. But you, you won't be able to hang out with other note investors until you have the mindset that, hey, I'm a note investor. I've only got one note or I don't have any notes yet. But you got to start hanging out and being that person first. Mm-hmm. I, I hired a mentor man, over 10 years ago now. And we used to have one-on-one phone conversations. And he says, Mike, the easiest way to become successful in whatever it is you're trying to do is put yourself, project yourself into the future and celebrate. Imagine a celebration of you achieving whatever it is you're trying to achieve. In my situation, I was getting to a point where I wanted to have 10 notes in my possession and all the borrowers were making payments. Mm. So I projected myself into the future and pictured myself sitting down and having a celebration dinner with my family, with my, my, my son and my daughter and my wife, on the fact that I reached that 10-note goal. And if you do that, you will get to that 10-note goal. And you'll probably get there quicker than you think because your subconscious mind has a way of getting you to whatever it is you're projecting. And you can use this for, for good or evil or <laughs> bad, I should say. Um, whether you picture yourself, you know, broke in five years or you picture yourself successful in five years. I, I've gotten to the point now where I, I'm holding event, an event and uh, a, a note vision event, let's say. And it's a, it's a big production. You know, we're going to have 25 people at, at a venue or whatever it is. Well, I picture myself the day after the event is over 
and our house is in disarray and everything is messed up and I'm celebrating with my family the fact that the event went so well and I have that picture in my mind every time something gets in my way. Things get in your way and you're going to hit road bumps and you're going to hit road blocks and you're going to have mental blocks. But by projecting yourself into the future, you'll get over those hurdles. And, and a lot of times I'll, I'll say, you know what, we're going to hold an event. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. We're going to have this uh, these note investors come and speak. And, and then two weeks later, it's like, you know what, let's just call this off. Nobody's going to show up. Things aren't going to work out. And then I picture myself with that celebration mindset again. Snaps me right back into the mode of getting to my objective. And the stuff works. It, it, worked. it worked for me. It continues to work for me. And I pass that on to, uh, to my friends and family and students as well does it help a new a new note buyer because i here here in our area there's a lot of interest in notes i would say there's a lot less investing in notes going on than there is interest in notes going on and i think i think some of the people who are who are studying and quote trying to do this would say that they have a hard time envisioning owning 10 performing notes because they have never owned one performing note. Do you think it helps people envision this if they can go meet other people who've already done it? It has to be. Like I said, you have to hang out with other note investors. You know, you're, and I keep hearing this from different um, mentors or speakers, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. Not that you have to ditch your friends or your family or whoever. But you need to increase the people. Like when I when I worked in, in manufacturing, I worked in a machine shop. I went in the back door of the building. The boss and the owners didn't even want me to cut through the office to say hello to the secretaries or anything. They want me to go in the back door, do your stuff, and go home. So I had no opportunity to meet anyone outside of the manufacturing circle uh, until I got into real estate investing, which took me to RIA meetings. And once I went to RIA meetings, I'm like, wow, there's doctors and lawyers and nurses and government officials and and successful investors and people that I really should be hanging out with to go ahead and figure out how to get into this real estate business. And I did. And then I started hanging out with realtors because I needed realtors to find me properties and so I, I changed the people that I associated with. And and slowly but surely, it rubs off. It, it rubbed off to the fact that I have no problem calling up. I, like I said, I have not, I, I'm still waiting to get my high school diploma. I'm 60 years old. I didn't graduate high school. I would never have the opportunity to meet someone who went to Harvard or, or has their MBA or or anything like that. Now, I have no problem calling up my attorney buddies, my lawyer buddies, and no one has asked me yet for my high school diploma to hang out with me. So it's it's very doable, folks. That's that's pretty much my, my point, the most important point that I could uh, stress to people is the amount of energy that you put in will, and the people that you hang out with will determine your success. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, every every person's had a different 
this is my most important habit, and that's uh, the, the the habit of envisioning uh, what you're what you're looking to do, and just going and hanging out with the right people is uh, that's a new one, and I like it. So, are there any habits, Mike, that you kind of you kind of look at yourself and go, man, I really wish I could be in the habit of doing this, but it just eludes me. Now or then? <laughs> Let's talk about now. I mean, you know, do, I wish I could be in the habit of going to the gym every single day and loving it, but somehow that eludes me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm very conscious, and I, as I become older and more mature and more, I think, wiser, I'm becoming more conscious of the time of how I spend my time. I literally should sit down and create an hour by hour or a daily or a by hourly um, a a list of the things that I do and catch yourself doing. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. Like if you want to make a million dollars a year, well, you you have to make $5,000 an hour. I think it works out to, I think it's, I think it is $5,000 an hour. Um, so are you doing things? There's, you're going to have to do a lot of things to make 5,000 bucks an hour, 500 bucks an hour, whatever it is. There's a lot of things that you have to do to get to that. But there's now an awful lot of things that you are not allowed to do anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to mow your own lawn. You're not allowed to do your own laundry because you have to pay yourself 500 bucks an hour to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I've become more and more conscious of the time that I spend doing things. So in doing that last year, I hired both of my children full-time as consultants to my business to free me up to do the most important things that I'm supposed to be doing, which is going out and sourcing more product. And I know we we weren't going to talk too much about the mechanics, but that really is the most important thing that I need to focus on to keep the wheels running. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I now catch myself. What am I doing this for? I call my son. My son lives with us in the house. He's 24 years old. Jim, take care of this camera issue, or this computer issue. Mm-hmm. Now it frees me up to get back on the phone, or to get back on whatever it is that I'm doing to do the most important things. So if, if I had to say it would be manage or control the things that I do. Nobody can really, you can't really manage time. Time is is there. We all get the same amount of it. But really watch what you do. I, I stopped watching TV 15 years ago now, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I just, I can't be bothered with it. I, I can't. It's, maybe it's selfish, but I don't really want to know what's going on in the news. My biggest thing right now is, is playing around on social media. Um, <laughs> Okay. Uh, very good. We're going to come back and, and get some more insight from Mike Rusica about what it is that has made him one of the country's most successful defaulted note buyers. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mike Rusica, who is a defaulted note buyer and Mike we should we should talk about the part of the country that you're in because I heard you say that you started out at RIA meetings and I think um, 
some people hear me talk about Cincinnati Rhea and they they think I'm like I'm like crazy because I'm always telling people they need to join Rhea, they need to join Rhea, they need to join Rhea. But there's a network of Rhea's all over the United States. Which one did you first join? Yeah, the first one was I'm in New Jersey and it was about an hour hour's ride for me to get up to it. I looked forward to to getting out of the house and going to this thing and and really meeting when I when I bought my own real estate at first, I I thought I was a loner. I was I had my realtor, I had my mortgage broker, I had my attorney, I had my um, uh, one couple of inspectors that I used. I don't use inspectors anymore, but um, I had my little team. I was doing this by myself. I went to my first real meeting in 2004, and I hear people talking about toilets and plungers and. And thing. I'm like, oh my God, these, I'm not alone. These people are doing... But I found out that they were doing some really awesome deals. I was not too focused on the cash flow. <laughs> when I bought my house, I was just happy to break even and make a hundred bucks. These folks were driven by cash flow. Well, I didn't know that. By the time I got to a meeting in 2004, I started in 99, I already had four or five houses, and so I had to rethink because I was hanging around with people that were way smarter than I was, and I've always associated myself with people that are smarter than I am, and it has helped my life tremendously, but it really, you have to go to real meetings uh, to get out there. And then in 2007, uh, the mentor that I had a fellow on Wall Street who got the great idea of selling non-performing notes out and then teaching the people how to work them out. It was a webinar on Wednesday nights, and we would, I would get on the webinar 10 or 15 minutes early just to hear the other people chime in. Hey, this is Barry. Hey, this is Pete. Because we got all got to know each other and just by talking. To each other prior to the meeting starting at 7:30, we were using um, go to meeting, and so you could get in there even before the organizer was there and, and chat. And so now I got to find out that this one's a lawyer, this one uh, is just a real estate investor, and this person does this, and this one lives in Queens and they're still working full time. And so I got to hang out and meet all these people, and then we had a physical meeting in 2009 in Manhattan. And that's when I realized that, hey, I need to start my own group and start holding my own webinars uh, about these things. But getting back to the RIA meetings, I used to meet with my local note investors that were on that call at the Metro RIA over here in Edison. Mm -hmm. We would sit in the lobby and we would talk about our notes. And we were very happy that we found something that was better, a better topic than what was going on on the stage. So we'd sit out in the lobby and then one night they had, uh, it was called the legal Eagles and they had four, four attorneys up on the, on the bench and you could ask them any question you wanted for free. So we all went up, six of us went up to the front to go into this legal Eagle Rhea meeting and all of our memberships had expired because we were just going to the meetings and sitting in the lobby all night, not even realizing that we didn't weren't even members anymore. 
So we all paid to get in and, and went to our event. But it was the real meetings that it opened it up for me personally, got me out of the machine shop mindset and introduced me to people that were really trying to better their lives. Mm-hmm. And why do people go to real meetings? They want to be more, to have more, and to do more of the things in life that they want. And so they were actually breaking the mold of the nine to five attitude and mentality and going out and trying to figure out their find their way along through, uh, through education. And get away from the folks in their immediate lives who don't think that way. I, th- I think in, in a lot of ways, going to RIA meetings for many people throughout the country is a break from having to hear you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, it's impossible, it's a scam, you know, all the things that they hear from their friends and family. And, you know, it's hard It's hard to shrug that off until you go and you're around people who are actually doing it, which is, which is awesome. That, that's so awesome. That's so true. Luckily, I, my wife is very, was very supportive of me, and that's exactly correct. If I came home and said, what are you going to this real meeting? What's this $75 thing? What, what, what are you signing up for? Uh, I, had I not had that support, um, it would be a different story right now. So I have a very supportive family. Uh, you know, My wife takes care of the assignments, and my son boards the notes, and my daughter does the accounting and does the marketing and the stuff that we do to go out and find. So it's a very family-oriented thing. But you're absolutely right. If, if I didn't have that support, I mean, my kids were sitting around, I guess they were seven, eight years old, counting rent money when I, you know, at, at one point we had 11 rentals. And so we were stacking up some cash and literally stacked, the kids were sitting in their pajamas stacking cash on the floor after I, after I came home from, and, and I wanted it to be a part of their life. Because it was so not a part of my life. My father had zero investments. Zero. Literally not one stock. His his mode of uh, how I can make more money besides working at the post office was going to the casino in Atlantic City and, as he said, spending my inheritance. And, <laughs> and exactly what he did. He had no problem doing that. He was a great guy. But he was one of the ones that thought it was a scam and investing is hard and, and sales, sales is, you know, to get into sales is a bad job. Sales is one of the best things that we're all in sales at some point in our lives. And um, so, yes, absolutely. Getting, surrounding yourself with people that they're doing things and are doing things that you may not have ever even dreamed to be possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, very true. So I think people have a picture that someone who has become successful in a business the way you have has to be like robotically disciplined. Like 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 you must, you know, do everything exactly when you need to do it and, you know, you're able to drive yourself and all of that sort of stuff. Would you say that that's true of you? Do you feel really disciplined? Absolutely not. If you knew me, Vina, <laughs> the way I, my kids, I, my kids push me, Dad, come on, let's do, let's, let's get, let's call these borrowers. Let's, 
with board games alone, and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, you know, I am I am not a disciplined person by any means. Um, the discipline that I do have is I avoid the television set, the media, like the plague, because I believe that the um, the the, the program programming that's out there these days uh, is just. I mean, what you're doing here is so completely different than 90% of what goes on uh, from what I can tell in, in the media. And so I have totally, I'm very disciplined about, I will not tolerate any type of negativity, negative conversation by any means, by anybody. I, I just avoid it or I at least, I know that it won't affect me because I am so positive. Uh, it's sickening. Um, so there, in, in those areas, I'm very disciplined. Mm -hmm. In education and reading books and, and, and obtaining knowledge, uh, I'm, I'm in a mentorship program right now. It was a, a very expensive program. It's a 13-month program. I am very disciplined about studying that material, but on the on the day to day stuff, uh, I really have no ritual in the morning other than I try to get up and read at least ten pages of something. You know, like right now I'm reading uh, Rich Dad Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. It's very basic, but it brings me back to like like oh my god, dude, there's such great concepts in some of the Rich Dad series that, you know, after investing for 20 years, you, you become kind of calloused and hardened. And going back and revisiting the stuff that I read back in, in 2003 and four when I was first getting into investing in general, it makes so much more sense now. It's like, it's like because I've changed so much, this material means an entirely new thing than it did when I read it for the first time in 2003 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm very disciplined. I'm looking at my library right now. It's, it's, it's just, you know, one thing after another of, of digesting and, and grabbing material. We need to take one last break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking some more to Mike Rusica about what what it is that he thinks and does that makes him such a successful node investor. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is our X Factor Investor Interview of the Month. My X-Factor investor is Mike Rusica, who is in the defaulted note-buying business up in New Jersey, although he buys nationally. Uh, he started noteconference.com uh, back in 2009, and he's been, uh, he's been in, the, in that end of the business, in the note end of the business, uh, earlier than a lot of people got into it. Um, back, in, back in 07 was when he started getting into the note business. And we're talking about some of the things that have made him be able to be so successful, made him be able to build the business that a lot of note buyers would like to build. Mike, I'm, I'm wondering, are there, any, are, are there any influences that you can talk about that have been like books that you read, things that, things that you recommend 
to everyone who wants to get in the note business, man, you need to read this book first? Is it specific to the note business or is it no. specific to kind of um, like business, personal thinking, personal growth, anything? Like what is what is the thing that's had the most impact on you? I would have to say I started studying um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2000 and I think yeah, 2002 or 2004 really got me thinking about how to become an investor in general. I did not have a, an investor mindset. My wife did, and I did not have an investor mindset. We had an employee mindset. And the thing that stuck out in my wife and I used to walk around joking around about, she read the book too, is we would be in a department store buying a, a grill for a charcoaling estate, right? And she'd look at me and she'd go, is this an asset or a liability? <laughs> and it was a standing job. We still, to this day, yeah, I'll come home with a new car. And she's like, is that an asset or a liability? I'm like, you know what? It's an asset, okay? I, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I want so, it so it's an asset. <laughs> and, and so now, yeah, we're, we, we can do that. But we couldn't do that when we started. So in the beginning is getting the mindset of it is, is as an investor. Uh, very important because my father worked in the post office. My mother passed away when I was a little kid. So there was no talk of investing. There was no other family relatives that I was speaking to that were doing anything other than working, coming home, and not talk about money at the table. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the way it was. There was no betterment. There was no... After life, after the job, you came home, you went to sleep, you got me, did it again. So that's number one. When, like I said before, I like to pair together industries and talents and skills. So I then realized that my, my investing education and my personal growth education was just as important to learn how to put yourself into the future, to project yourself as a successful whatever it is you want to be. So I picked up on uh, a guy named Bob Proctor, and I picked up uh, a book, um, You Were Born Rich, I think that was the name of the title. I, I gave it away. And I also got a hold of Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I've probably purchased and given away 40 copies of that book over the last, I don't know, four years maybe, because that book really gets your mind into the mindset of prosperity. And it's you said this, Dina, when you opened up the show, it's an inside job, and it is an inside job. And what do I mean by that? Your success or your failure starts from the inside. There is no one in my way. There's no one in, in anyone's way except for the stuff that's in between your ears. And if you can make that change from the inside, you are well on your way. So uh, investing information, like I said, I'm reading a guide to investing right now by Rich Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And then I, I started getting into, uh, if you go onto YouTube and just uh, hit in uh, Bob Proctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Proctor got, Gallagher Institute. He's got lots of videos up on YouTube that folks can watch absolutely for free. So absolutely, you know, and, and so I 
to, to, to talk about that for one second. I'm in Bob Proctor's 7,000 coaching program right now. The material that you get on YouTube, it's the same thing. It might just be a little bit boiled down, a little bit more condensed in the $7,000 program, but you can get it all on YouTube. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So, so cast your mind back to when you first got started in the business. Because most of our listeners are people who are in the in the early to mid stages of their of their real estate or note businesses, and I think sometimes when they hear someone like you talk, they think, "Well, sure, it's easy for him. You know, he's been doing it for ten years, and he's got some kind of magic I don't have." And thinking about that beginner, Mike. That, that that guy who was just learning how to do notes. Is there something that that if you had it to do again, you'd do it differently? Is there is there is there something you if you could go back in time and talk to that Mike that you would say, look, stop doing this and do more of this? Hmm. Well, I, you know, I was I, I got into this so so let me back up a little bit more. Like like I said, I was in manufacturing I was not making a lot of money. I was getting a, getting a paycheck. My wife stayed home with the kids, so the only income I had was the money that I brought into the house. And so taking, I, I had a few bucks from my 401k that I quit my job in 2004 and got into real estate investing uh, full-time in, in 2004. And 2007, I got into the note business and... Um, to do over again, I wish I would have. Okay, so I got into this business before the meltdown, which tells me that this business will be here after the meltdown. Everybody's saying, "Oh, you know, you're getting laid and and this and that." Well, that's fine. It's just like being a realtor in 2005. Everybody and their brother was a realtor in 2005. 2008 happened, and they're right. Everybody quit being a realtor because there was nothing to do except for the high-end folks. So I was in this business buying notes in 2007, not realizing or not taking advantage of the meltdown the way I should have is probably the, the one thing that uh, I, I got into it very cautiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you can imagine, you know, I didn't have, a, I didn't have hardly any money. Uh, the money that I was using was mainly notes that I, money that I was making brokering notes. And so I wish I would have gotten into it more aggressively. But, you know, you are where you are because of how the progression of how things go. You know, first I got into real estate. Then I started studying real estate to figure out that, hey, I wasn't really buying the best of properties that weren't cash flowing, and then I started reading, going to rears, and, and so all of these steps happen very gradually, and everybody is where they is, and they're supposed to be where they are right now to this day. doesn't mean you can't change, grow, and, and move into the future, but picture it, folks. I, I was just a machinist without a high school diploma. I was a good machinist, but it's not like I did something magical or anything. I, I had a mentor that I paid a lot of money to learn the business. And if I didn't do that, I, 
I was learning this business right alongside what you were saying about the East Coast. The folks that I learned this business with are still in this note business today for the most part. Uh, so you, you don't know who you're sitting next to at a RIA meeting at a, as a newbie. Uh, I've got guys that, you know, if I mentioned, uh, you know, Dave Van Horn, who's a no, he was a newbie. I mean, he didn't understand bankruptcy just like I didn't understand bankruptcy. We were just new guys. He's got a, a half a billion dollar note fund now or something like that. We were new, new newbies. And so you never know who you're sitting next to when you go and shake someone's hand at a real meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your your whole life experience has been around the idea that there's no such thing as a wasted experience. Like like everything you learned in real estate helped you be a better note buyer, and what you have what you learned through the crash is going to help you take better advantage of the next crash. I would suspect. I'm I'm waiting. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not looking forward to other people's uh, disadvantage, but let me tell you, the borrowers that I do work with love me because I can lower their monthly payment, I can lower their interest rate, I can lower their balance of their the mortgage, I can forgive their debt right now for a 50 cents on the dollar discount because I bought it at a 20 cents or 30 cents on the dollar discount. I can afford to let them get more equity back into the house. Uh, so I'm not... I'm not taking advantage of the borrowers by any means. I'm actually giving them an opportunity. And uh, so, yeah, I, 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 note investing, or I should say buying things at a discount has become a way of life for me. I want to buy distressed. I want to buy distressed. I want to buy someone else's distress. And the bank is in distress and they're sitting on assets that they're not allowed to sell because of the FDIC or for other reasons until a certain point that they can write these loans down to zero. And then when I give them a check for the purchase, that money shows up in their bottom line in black ink, mm-hmm. which means that they're, they're turned a profit from my purchase, even at this low discount, because they've been able to write these things down on their books over a period of a couple of years, sometimes over 10 years. Mike, we are uh, we are unfortunately out of time, and it's it, your passion for your business really shines through here. And I and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you for being on today and sharing with our members. We will definitely get you on later on and get you to actually tell us how you do it. <laughs> but for right now, cool. unfortunately, we are out of time. But we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 